Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. We're kind of winging the setup here this week, just to make sure we can bring you listeners a uh, pregame of the Packers Raiders. I'm yes. up in the mountains, and I'm searching for search, searching for signal. Yes, we apologize for any kind of slight issues with the audio this week. You are traveling up in the mountains, not the best internet, but we still wanted to be here to be able to talk to you about this upcoming game against the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas on Monday Night Football in primetime. Very exciting and hopefully a nice palate cleanser from last time the Packers were on primetime against the Lions on Thursday Night Football. Packers have had a little bit of a time off since then. Hopefully they've regrouped and are ready to get back at it on Monday. But Dad, so much to talk about for this game, so much to preview. I'm excited for this one. But before we get into previewing everything, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days. At Father Son Packer, we tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, videos we find interesting, pieces of Packers news, pretty much one-stop shopping for everything going on in Titletown. And then if you like what you hear here even more, subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. If you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. That's all the pitches, though, Dad. Anything you want to say before we get into this? Because we got a good amount to talk about with this Raiders game coming up. Packers are 2-2 two and two right now and, uh, you know, have a chance to get back above 500 here. All I really want to say is I'm sitting here thinking, this reminds me of a Robot Chicken episode. How so? What are you doing? Flying around for two weeks, searching for signal? That's you right now, huh? Yeah, you're the yeah, you're, you're Vader. You're Vader, Vader looking for signal. I yep. bet you smell like burnt leathery bacon, <laughs> leathery bacon and feet. Feet wrapped in burnt leathery bacon. If yep, no one is, that's kind of what it's like. If no one has seen that, go check it out. It's a good one. But anyway, a lot of stuff to talk about here, though, Dad. Yeah, I digress. But I digest. Um, but we have a lot more to talk about here. Let's start, though, with some unfortunate news. We're going to do some some news and notes. Then we're going to go to the injury update, which those two are kind of tied together. And then we're going to get into the meat of our breakdown. But before anything, we did hear from David Bakhtiari this week, just yesterday. And he spoke to reporters for about 40 minutes. Now, that entire interview is up on Packers YouTube channels. Um, but essentially, the gist of it was he has confirmed that he is not going to play the rest of the season. Uh, and that he is going to get another surgery on his knee to deal with a cartilage issue, um, and that his goal is to be ready for the 2024 training camp is kind of how it's going. He said he has had uh, several conversations with uh, Gudekunst about what next year looks like. It's a very complicated situation because uh, I know some people have talked about with all the guaranteed money and how much the Packers could hypothetically save by releasing him next year that they're kind of ready to move on. However, there are some issues with uh, injury protections and um, injury grievances that if the Packers were to cut him, um, they might still be uh, liable against the salary cap for his salary. Obviously, the most important thing, though, is that this really just sucks for Bakhtiari like, and it sucks for the Packers. Like we've said a million times with this whole situation, I, I think at this point, Dad, I think it's fair to say that this is one of the most impactful injuries in the last 20 years oh. of football. It's fair to say? Would you say, think that's fair to say? Well, I'd have to think if there were some like. Um, I, I, I would yeah, it could have cost the Packers one or two Super Bowls. No, yeah, I, I'm not talking about like gruesome injuries. I'm talking about impactful, like impactful on a team. Yeah. Yes, impactful right? on a That's team, impactful on yeah. a, a Hall of Fame level player who was in the prime of his career, 
and was kind of just cut down in a practice. And yeah, to me, it's I think it's up there for one of the most impactful injuries of the last 20 years in football. And it's just kind of wild to think about, you know, these sliding door moments um, in the sport, in sports in general, and like what would have happened if, if you know, they just didn't practice that day. Um, but yeah, it there a couple articles this week about about that. And that I've thought, as, and we've talked about as well, that they were probably in position to win that Super Bowl the year that he first got the injury, and they certainly yeah. would have been in much better shape to beat the uh, the Niners in the playoffs the next year. But did you hear what he say about his like about his conversations with Gutekunst? That what, he, what was he takes, it? He, he takes all of his Facetimes. I'd miss that. No, that is funny though. That is very funny. A little a little shot at his friend Rogers, but. But yeah, that's the the update with Bakhtiari. Not really much more to say there. We hope he is ready for 2024. I I think it's tough. It's just tough. Um, it's hard to really... I don't think they can expect him to be ready for 2024, though, at this point. Um, and they probably couldn't have expected him to be ready for this year either. Uh, going on three years of this now, which is it's just crazy. It's, it's a crazy injury. He's had such bad luck, and it, it sucks for him more than anyone. Um, but, Dad, let's move on to the official injury report for this game. Um, and let's talk a little bit about who's going to be available for the Packers, who's going to be available for the Raiders. We got some interesting ones in this one. So we have the official injury report. We're recording here Saturday afternoon. Uh, game's on Monday. For the Packers, uh, Jair Alexander is questionable after missing last week. Same back injury, but he was a limited participant Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, officially questionable. Uh, Rudy Ford is also questionable with an oblique injury. He did not participate in practice on Thursday, but was a limited participant on both Friday and Saturday. Uh, Aaron Jones is questionable, limited participant all week in practice. Uh, same hamstring injury. We remember that he was on a snap count on Thursday against the Lions. I would imagine even if he plays, he will be on that same snap count this week. That's just, that's not reporting anything. That's just kind of how I would assume. Uh, Eric Stokes um, is most likely not going to play. He has not been activated to the 53, but now they are required to kind of give updates on these players who are being activated from PUP. Uh, he is technically questionable. I would be shocked if he played. Uh, they have him as a limited participant, though, through the week, and he's like officially back at practice, which is very exciting. And then some bad news. Uh, Zane Anderson, safety hamstring, hasn't practiced all week and is out. Uh, Devondre Campbell, with his same ankle injury, has not participated in practice all week and is also out. Um, yeah, some good he news. Said, he, he, well, i just say about Devondre Campbell. He said that that was a high ankle sprain that he got in the, early in that game. Okay. When he first That's... got the injury. That's a good note because that's usually around like four weeks with a high ankle sprain. Um, so he might be missing a good amount of time. The Packers are lucky that this next coming week is going to be their bye. So they're going to get some time to rest up with a lot of players on the injury report. They have, I think, 12 players on the injury report in total in terms of practices like limited, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like nagging issues, essentially. Um, the good news, though, on the Packers side, though, Dad, is that both Runyon and Jenkins don't have injury designations coming into this game, which for me, Jenkins, very surprising, uh, given the fact that, you know, sprained MCL usually around four weeks looks like he's only going to end up missing two, which is great news for him and great news for the uh, Packers offensive line that we just saw get shredded last Thursday. So that's a big get. And then for Runyon, um, having him back is also huge. If you remember, he hurt his ankle uh, against the Lions last week and really looked like it was bothering him for most of that game. He was really struggling. Uh, he didn't participate in practice on Thursday, but was limited Friday and Saturday. Doesn't carry a designation. He actually also has a groin injury that's bothering him, apparently. But uh, getting that, them, getting those two back uh, along the interior is going to be huge for the Packers because I think if both of them couldn't go, I mean, you're looking at an interior of Royce Newman and, and Sean Ryan, which I don't think anyone wants to see. <laughs> 
Yeah, so this is basically, it's looking like we're going to have our, what it's now our preferred starting O-line for the rest of the year. Yes, with Since probably... out for the year. Yeah, I would assume it's going to be Walker, uh, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon, and then Zach Tom. I have a question as to whether or not they might roll out Yash Nyman instead of Rashid Walker, uh, but we haven't heard anything that would indicate that. I Just his comment, uh, Matt LaFleur's comments, that is, about uh, wanting to emphasize being able to get going in the run game, and I feel like Yash Nyman's just a better run blocker than Rashid Walker at this point, but we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and then the last thing, Dad, I had a question about the Packers injury report. Um, this is just, I wanted to see what you thought. If Rudy Ford doesn't play, who would you look at to take that next safety spot? Was it Owens? It would probably be Owens, right? I think it's going to have to be Owens, but it probably would mean that uh, um, Anthony Johnson Jr. would be active, I would think, for the first time. Which would be exciting. I mean, I'm surprised yeah. he hasn't been active because I feel like he looked good on special teams in the preseason. Uh, but yes, he has not been active yet. That's the Packers' seventh-round rookie safety, who a lot of people were very excited about coming into the year. But yeah, so those are the only real concerns for the Packers. Um, assuming McDuffie is going to continue to take Campbell's spot along that inside linebacker. And, you know, hopefully those questionable guys are good to go for the game. On the Raiders' side, they also have a few kind of nagging injuries. For them, um, their corner, Nate Hobbs, is going to be out uh, with an ankle injury. And then beyond that, uh, corner Jacorian Bennett uh, with a hamstring and shoulder injury is questionable. He was limited all week. Uh, David Long, one of their other corners, uh, is also uh, with an ankle injury. Uh, is going to be questionable, limited all week. And then Devontae Adams, with a shoulder injury that he sustained in their last game. Now, he was able to return in that game, but he didn't practice on Thursday or Friday and was a limited participant on Saturday. And his status is questionable for this game as well. So that, I think, the biggest one is, the two things are, they are missing some corner depth. And then Devontae Adams is, you know, one of the game wreckers that they do have on that team and one of the players that can take over a game. I personally hope that both him and Jair play because I think that that matchup would just be so fun to watch. And they've talked about it all week about how much respect they have for one another. Matchup, right? I know. It's like, that's, that's prime viewing. That's what you turn on the TV for on Monday Night Football, like, is to see the best of the best going at it. One of the, like... I would say top three receivers in the league versus one of the top three corners in the league as a homer. I would say they're each the best, but I'm just giving a little, li- little wiggle room there. So I don't get killed online. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I would say it's the fact that he is, was able to practice at least a little bit on Saturday. And the fact that he returned to that game, I think he's going to like strap up that shoulder and go, uh, Jair. It sounds like he's going to play. Um, Matt LaFleur, I think said during his presser today that like, he's done everything that they've wanted him to do. Um, but yeah, Dad, any comments on that Raider side of the injury report? Well, I'd say one thing that was really big for them was uh, Garoppolo clearing the concussion protocol, which he only, I think, did either like today or yesterday, but recently. So because they were really a mess without him last week um, with Aiden O'Connell at, at quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and then Devontae was saying just how much his shoulder was hurting um, as he finished up that last I mean, game. I, think there's I mean, did you out there somewhere? Did you see how hard I, he landed on it? Like, I saw that the play, yeah, where painful. he's like reaching back for the ball and then gets driven into the ground on the shoulder. That's one of those yeah. plays that you usually see with like quarterbacks where they get driven down in the ground and they're out like for like six weeks, eight weeks. Like the fact that he was able to return in that game was pretty stunning to me. And you know, more power to him. Yeah. Uh, but Dad, anything else you wanted to talk about on the injury report, or did you want to move to the meat of our game preview? Let's move on. Okay, so game preview. Just a couple of quick facts before we step into it. Game's going to be on Monday night, 
this October 9th, uh, 7.15 Central Time. It's going to be in Las Vegas. It's going to be indoors, but it will be a grass field, for those of you wondering. The Raiders are currently favored by two, with a total of 44.5, so that's an implied score of about 23-21 to 21 Raiders. I was a little surprised that the Raiders were favored in this one, but they are at home, so you kind of get a it bit of a bump there. depends on where you look. I've it seen, does. I, I've seen Packers favored on some sites. I've seen Raiders favored on others. So Definitely. It, it kind of depends, like, who's your... Uh, who's your who's your bookie of choice yeah and i I think you know i've seen the line move a little bit towards the raiders uh where i've been looking recently and you know that probably has to do with Devontae going from kind of not expected to play to questionable and then jimmy garoppolo clearing concussion protocol uh but i was still a little surprised to see the raiders favored in this one i know the packers looked really bad last thursday night i hope they look better in this game because if they don't i'm gonna have some real concerns but those are kind of the quick facts for this game Dad, let's move on to keeping up with the Joneses, and I'm not talking about Aaron and Caleb. Uh, This is where we kind of talk a little bit about what's going on with the Raiders, what's going on with them. So far, hasn't been going great for them. They've struggled. They're only 1-3. Their only win being against the Denver Broncos, so not great. Um, Last week, rookie Aiden O'Connell had to step in for Jimmy Garoppolo, like we said, due to a concussion. Um, But Jimmy G will return this week. They are currently 24th in points allowed per game at 25.3. Green Bay is 20th for reference at 24 points per game. They're 25th in points scored per game at only 15.5 points per game compared to Green Bay's 10th with 25. Uh, And they're 27th in scoring margin. Green Bay is 15th for reference. And then by DVOA per FTN, they are 31st in offense. Now this is a metric that kind of takes into account how your output looks compared to like what your opponents usually give up. So this early in the season, it is a bit of a small sample size, but 31st in offense, they're 26th in passing and 32nd in rushing. Uh, And then 28th on defense, 28th in pass defense and 19th in rush defense. Uh, Dad, they do have some star power on offense and defense. Like we talked about, they have some game wreckers in Devontae Adams uh, and then Josh Jacobs on offense, although they've had trouble running the football so far, which is something that we'll talk about. And then Max Crosby on defense is someone that we're going to talk a ton about later. Dad, what are your thoughts on just how the Raiders have looked so far this year? How much have you seen of them? What are your thoughts on them? Any thoughts on any of these numbers going into this game? I know some of them might be skewed a bit by missing Garoppolo for one of the four games that they have played, but you know they have been struggling a little bit this year. They feel like they're a little bit kind of stuck right now. Yeah, and I would say that overall, I think it's fair to say they've underperformed expectations from what uh, fans may have You think? Wanted. I feel like expectations going into this year were not particularly high for the Raiders. They were one of those teams to me where I was like, they're going to be average to bad. Like I see, I think, I think the thing is they've just been bad. That's true. That's true. The only team they've beaten is the Broncos. I I think they expect maybe to be kind of middle of the pack, but so far they've most, they've been kind of bad. Yeah. They've been kind of bad. The Broncos who are one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. And they, and they narrowly beat the Broncos. But besides that, uh, I mean, when you look at the teams that they have played, they lost to the Steelers, who had struggled so far this year. They lost to the Chargers, although that game was, you know, a seven-point game. They kept it close. They got blown out by the Bills, as kind of expected. The Bills do tend to blow out a lot of teams, and they won by one versus the Broncos. So years maybe not going exactly as they had pictured. There's been a lot of talk about will they be sellers at the trade deadline. Let's hopefully continue that trend for them and make them sellers at the trade deadline and not give them hope because, you know, we're talking about, you know, oh, this team has really struggled. This team is not doing so well this year. Are we just setting ourselves up to have a bunch of egg on our face? Maybe. Uh, But going into that and talking about maybe setting ourselves up to have egg on our face, let's say a couple of nice things about the Raiders because we have taken the time to say, hey, they're not doing very well, but there are some upsides to this team. They are 
not the worst team in the league, I guess is how I would say it. Uh, and for me, Dad, this is the hey now, play nice section. I know you usually struggle with this. Um, <laughs> I do have some nice things to say about the Raiders, though. And the one thing I do have to say about them is that their pass blocking right now is quite good. Uh, they are the ninth best pass blocking team in the league by PFF grade. They have allowed the fourth fewest pressures in the league per PFF. And they also have the fourth lowest overall pressure rate. So that's like pressures per pass blocking snap. So pass blocking so far for the Raiders has been quite good. Their offensive line, much like the Packers, has been great in pass blocking and not very good in run blocking. Bit of a looking in a, in a mirror there. Uh, but Dad, play nice. I know you usually don't do very well with this, but what what nice things do you have to say about the Raiders? So as we mentioned, they have their skill positions are quite good. You know, so Jacobs last year was the first overall running back in PFF grade. And you could say this year struggles have been not his fault. Devontae is elite again as usual. I think right now his PFF grade is seventh, but he's always, you know, he's he's got an elite grade through their first four games. And Jacoby Myers is actually a, a really nice player, a really nice number two. And he's, he's, he's had the first two games he were excellent. And, uh, yeah, he like much of the team struggled last last week, um, and what and Jacobs, in addition to being you know such a good runner last year, he's also this year he's fifth in the league in receiving at the running back position per PFF. So he's actually even though they're struggling running the ball, he's actually providing um, a, some output as a pass catcher. Yeah, his usage as a pass catcher is like they are. They have not been able to run the ball, but in order to get him the ball, because he is one of their best players on offense, they have been targeting him at a crazy rate so far. I'm going to pull up the exact numbers. Uh, you had one more thing about... Uh, you, look at you. Yeah, you, had so, three, you had three things to play nice with the Raiders so far. Who, I'm, I'm, who are I'm you? just like this mean bully. Uh, maybe the mountains are mellowing me out this week. Um, but yeah, so even though it's kind of interesting that you know, they generally thought of as not being... Um, so good in run offensive defense, but they actually, it depends on the situation. So they're, they're currently fifth best in the league in defensive line power success by um, DVOA from FTN. And that's not allowing a first down on third or fourth down and short. So like two yards or less, I think is the, so at, at, in that particular, those situations, they've actually performed quite well compared to their um, opponent's average. Yeah, and then I just peaked. Josh Jacobs is currently leading the league amongst running backs in targets per game at 6.3, which is a full half a target more per game Ooh. than anyone else. And just last week, he had 11 targets. So they're, get, they're getting him the ball. Even if they can't run it, they're getting him the ball. And so that, and that has like been trending up essentially each week. week. Week one, he had three. Week two, he had six. Then five. Then 11. So they are doing whatever they can to get the ball. I think they've kind of found that they have been having trouble running the ball, much like the Packers. You know, maybe the Packers could take a little page out of their playbook. Maybe give the running backs a few more targets. I'm interested to see kind of how the Packers respond to Thursday. But we'll talk a little bit more about the Packers later. Let's talk a little bit about some... We've already said we're going to play nice. We did our play nice section. We talked some good about the Raiders. And we're going to talk a little maybe more... Some more positives about the Raiders. And talk a little bit about what are you nervous about in this matchup, Dad? What are some specific vulnerabilities maybe that the Packers might have to this specific Raiders team? I have one specifically, uh, but I'll let you go first. Take it away. Okay, yeah. So this is – it's one thing that the, the Raiders are doing um, fairly well. So they scoring in the first quarter of games. They are seventh in the league. And Green Bay is 24th in the league in giving up first quarter points. And so 
the, the Green Bay, the, the Packers defense as, for several years now is essentially designed to play from ahead. And when, when they're able to now get ahead, play with the lead, rush the passer, and not have to worry so much about the run game if they put the, the opponent in a situation where they have to pass because they're behind. And are less successful when they um, fall behind and their opponents can just stick to the run game. And so that's something that maybe could happen because the Packers have been struggling to score in the first quarter while the Raiders are actually doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, the Packers, we've talked about this in the last game, but they have started so slowly in pretty much every game except for the Falcons game, where it's like the the Bears game, very close through, you know, through the first half, and then they kind of pulled away in the second half. The Falcons game, I mean, even in the Falcons game, they didn't score many points. I think over the past three weeks, if I remember correctly, they've only scored three first quarter points. And it's just hard to play from behind as a team. Now, thankfully, the Raiders like haven't run the ball very well so far this year and are not a t- not the type of team that can just sit on you with the, with the lead, hopefully. I mean, obviously I'm saying this and they're going to run for 200 yards this week with the way with the way that I'm I'm building <laughs> this up. They're going to run for like 300 like, yards. That this this idea of uh, you know, weakness versus weakness. Who's rather than <laughs> Strike a, strike. a stoppable force versus a movable object, if you will, on this one with the Packers yep. run defense and the Raiders run offense. But for me, Dad, the thing that I am specifically nervous about with the Raiders is just one player. It's Max Crosby. Um, the Raiders defense is not particularly good, uh, as we detailed earlier. But Max Crosby is a force of nature, and he is the type of player who can kind of single-handedly take over a game. And these stats are per PFF. He is currently tied for first in the league in pressures. He has 27 through four games. He is 8th in the league in win percentage amongst qualified edges. And then he is 4th in the league in total stops amongst edges. And that's like any essentially play that constitutes a loss for the offense based on success rate. So he is the type of player that can kind of single-handedly take over a game. And we'll talk a little bit about when we're talking about what we hope the Packers do in this game. But they really need to not let him wreck the game. They can't, they can't let him take over the game. And I know that's that's like, this is very groundbreaking analysis. Essentially, don't let their best player beat up on your O-line and beat up on your quarterback. Like, do whatever you can to not do that. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But like I said, him uh, and Devontae Adams as well, of course, are the types of players that can kind of single-handedly impact games to the point of swinging them. And so that's something that I'm a little bit nervous about. We saw how Aiden Hutchinson last week kind of essentially took over the game and the whole the whole front of the Lions obviously beat up on us. But Aiden Hutchinson specifically had a very good game. And we can't let Max Crosby, who's even better than Hutchinson at this point in their career, do that as well. Um, Dad, did you have another? You said you wanted to say something well, about Max well, Crosby, right? One thing that's kind of interesting about Crosby is he almost never comes off the field. He like as opposed to rotating in like and out like uh, a lot of edge rushers. He's played, I think, two hundred and fifty-eight out of two hundred and sixty-nine defensive snaps. Oh my goodness! So far this year. That isn't that's yeah. that's absurd. That that never happens in the modern NFL. And it, you know, it kind of shows you like they don't really have a whole lot else at edge. Um they have uh their rookie first round top 10 pick. Um but he missed a lot of the preseason uh and so since then he's kind of still ramping up. We'll see. Obviously, he was a very talented player coming out and I'm having trouble remembering his name. Uh Tyree Wilson um out of oh, Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. 
um, who I really liked coming out, but he missed a lot of uh, offseason with a foot injury and is apparently, you know, essentially having to take these games as training camp games. So, you know, always tough for that. But it kind of speaks to the fact that he's really their main difference maker on defense was kind of what I was going to. Yeah, Dad, it's did you... kind of crazy that uh, he's he's got such an elite grade by PFF despite almost never coming off the field. Yeah, it, it, that's like honestly is, more impressive than anything. You'll never see with any other edge rushers. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, you know, his success rate is still so high, like eighth amongst edges, yeah. despite playing all of those snaps is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, did anything else that you were nervous about in this game for the Packers? Or should we talk about, you know, talk about some good stuff, talk about how maybe the Packers have some advantages in this game. Yeah, I think we, I think we're ready to go on to what exploitable weaknesses the Raiders have. Yeah, you know, and there are definitely a few, uh, we're no longer playing nice. Uh, I know this is your favorite part. Um, I have two things. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, uh, I talked a little bit about how good they were as a pass-blocking unit. And while that is true, uh, they've allowed the fourth-fewest pressures, like we said before. They have still allowed the seventh-most sacks per PFF. Uh, they have the third-highest pressure-to-sack rate in the league, which kind of indicates that whoever it is at quarterback, whether it's been Jimmy or O'Connell, uh, isn't evading pressures very well, uh, is kind of what that indicates. Essentially, when they're pressured, they are eating sacks. And those negative plays will hopefully be something that the Packers can take advantage of there. Despite the fact, you know, I, I can't imagine how demoralizing it must be for an offensive line. It's like, we're not even letting them through that much, and you guys are just eating the ball back there. I I, I would be sick. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that Khalil Mack just had six sacks against them last week. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what Rashawn Gary does against them next week, because that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, and then the other thing is that their secondary is not very good at all. Uh, like we already mentioned, they have the 28th ranked pass defense by DVOA over at FTN. Uh, PFF has them as the 18th best coverage grade, which seemed kind of high to me, surprisingly. And then per PFF, their corners and safeties have committed the second most penalties in the league this year, like amongst any corner safety group. Uh, so not doing yeah. great in any of those metrics, really. Um, Dad, what it's are some other... interesting because you feel like and this is maybe a little bit just of... Uh... What what we've seen is the Packers be able to draw some long defensive pass interferences. And that's our that's been our best that that's been our best offense. Is is right. PIs downfield pairs league wide? But it sure feels like just watching it casually is like that is something we take advantage of. So hopefully we'll do it again. Well, I remember going into Week Four, I had seen this stat, and I wish I had written it down who had tweeted it out. But it was like talking about penalties in the Packers, and the Packers obviously just that's something that I really hope the Packers don't do in this game is commit another obnoxious amount of penalties, but I know they will. So I'm just not even gonna worry about it, but it was that the Packers had committed the most penalties, but they had also gotten the most yards off of penalties in the league through three weeks. Right. Uh, if I remember correctly, like 40 yard DPIs that well, they had, I'm hoping yeah, they they'll had, uh, take advantage of again this week. Yeah. They had like two of them versus Atlanta. I think they had at least one versus the saints. Yeah. They, they were just like, honestly, it's not the worst thing. Like I'm, I'm surprised more teams, don't take more shots against like man coverage downfield because I feel like when the corner turns their back to to the quarterback, if the ball's underthrown, like they're gonna commit they're gonna commit pass interference. I think I think it's something they should people that teams should try more against a certain, you know certain cornerbacks. Yeah, like bump and run corners, like where they have their they're playing the the man in front of they're playing the receiver. I feel like anytime the anytime the pass is underthrown, they end up having to commit pass interference because they can't slow down. 
Like they're at a full sprint trying to keep up with these guys. And it's almost, yeah. it's very unfair to the corners, to be honest, the way it's officiated in that way. But any underthrow, like and where the receiver has to work back to the ball, corner can't slow down stop fast enough not to like run into them. And that's going to draw a PI every time, pretty much. Um, yeah. That's just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's PI. That's, they're going to call it every time. Yep. Like, yep. And, so let's take advantage of it. Exactly. Everyone loves a nice downfield pass interference. Uh, I, they need to start adding that to the quarterback stats. But, Dad, what do you think some exploitable weaknesses for the Raiders are? Those are the those are the two big ones, in my opinion, for me. I know you had some written down as well. So one thing I had about was the, the red zone, um, Raiders red zone defense. They're 28th in defense in the red zone touchdown percentage, while the Packers are fourth best on offensive red zone touchdown percentage. So here's a case where, unlike other things in the game, it's a, a Green Bay strength against a um, Raiders weakness. Plus, the Raiders give up the six most red zone trips. Um, yeah. So They're, those that's kind of a double whammy. They are both the bend, offense. bend and break is is what they're going for. That is the that is the strategy being employed by the Raiders defense right now. Is the the classic Dom Capers bend and break philosophy. It's and the Mike Pettin bend and break philosophy, and occasionally the Joe Barry bend and break philosophy. You know, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Please continue. Please continue with the Raiders weaknesses. So I did have. I realized something else that uh, maybe we'll get back to it later. But they also that that the Raiders in many ways just not very good overall. They're um, one point worse than their opponents if you think on a on a per drive basis. So for every like pair of drives offense defense, they are scoring one less point than their opponents. So it's a pace neutral, while Green Bay is about even. So just on on average, both teams that that favors Green Bay overall. We talked about their. There, some of it I have as things to talk about, but their run defense is not so great, nor is our run offense, and their run offense is not so great, nor is our um, run defense. Um, so you're saying it's going to be a high flying air raid type game, is what you're saying? I I really hope that the Packers can. Fi- I mean, the thing is, the Raiders' run defense is better than their pass defense, but it's just not saying very much. I really hope the Packers can at some point get this run game right. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this week. I, I know that you're you're thinking maybe it could be. But the fact that Jones is questionable going into this game and is probably not going to play. I know it's October now. So, you know, Dylan gets like a little level up uh, because it's no longer September. I don't know if you've seen that chart, but it's very funny. It's like each month subsequently, he's getting a little bit a better little bit. each year. That's um, been for several years now. Maybe his yeah. whole career. And it's 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 definitely interesting to look at. It is technically October, so we'll put that to the test. But I would love for them to be able to run in this game. I'm I'm not gonna hold my breath though. I guess is how I'm thinking about it. But the pace neutral like per drive thing is very interesting because you know minus one point per drive is it's pretty bad. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I would say about another weakness for the for the exploitable weakness of the Raiders is per DVA, they're dead last in defending the middle of the field in the passing game. And second to last in the deep middle and and dead last in the short middle. So those are areas where they are really, really bad. And those are the areas that we've kind of seen Love likes to attack. Uh, I think, you know, with Musgrave, that was something we forgot to mention in the injury report, but Musgrave is off the injury report. He had passed through the concussion protocol, so he's good to go on Monday. I think that's this is a place where him, Jaden Reed, are really going to be able to attack that middle of the field, hopefully. And that's a big advantage for the Packers there. Anything else you wanted to talk about exploitable weaknesses, Dad? 
that was that that was one of the things I had. I had actually missed one of the uh, things I was nervous about. Um, well, we can go, we can go back to it if you wanted to talk about it. I know we'd kind of transitioned into you know flowers and rainbows, but if you want to take us back to being negative, I, I, I suppose we can. Take a dump on your on your flowers and rainbows. Yeah, I know, right? So, so one thing I'll say is, so Green Bay is near the league bottom in you know three and outs on offense. They're twenty eighth in. Uh, and so, so that's so one the, the worst. So they have more yes. three and outs than so anyone else. They have else. more three and outs. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That, that, that adds up. Um, they're also 29th in plays per drive on offense, while the Raiders are 14th. And Green Bay is 28th in plays per drive on defense. And so as that's so, so one of the things that, I, that makes me nervous anyway is the basically a time of possession problem. If the Packers continue to have three and outs, and yeah, and I do think that is a bit. I mean, we've only played four games, and so I think it's heavily skewed by the first three, first half of the Saints game, and then the entire Lions game, pretty much. Uh, but it's a good point because you know that is half the games that the Packers have played, and they have struggled to move the ball in both those games. Uh, we'll see, though. Those defenses are substantially better than the Raiders, and if the Packers can't move the ball against the Raiders, I will be officially concerned. Uh, with the state oh, yeah, of the offense. Th- and the Raiders are the might be the worst team they played so far this year. They might be well the, the Raiders will be the second version, worst the second worst team of than than I think they're any better team than the week one Bears. But the yes. week four Bears They got their first win. And, That's true. And the week three Bears are actually looking better than the Raiders the last two weeks. Yeah, but the Raiders beat the Broncos. So we'll see. Um but Dad, let's move on to since we talked a little bit about how we think the Packers match up against the Raiders. Let's talk specifically what we hope the Packers will do in this game. And for me, I already talked about it a little bit. They got to chip Max Crosby every chance they get. We saw Aiden Hutchinson line up on that right side of the line and cause havoc coming in on the right guard. Now, hopefully Runyon's a little healthier in this game and Tom as well as a little healthier in this game. Both of them were kind of dinged up in that last game. Um, but I think they got to give him help because there's really no one else on this line that you're particularly worried about. Uh, he's really the only true game plan, like only true one you need to game plan around. Um, give Tom some help over there. Slide protection, chip with right, the tight end. He almost, li- he almost always lines up on that side, correct? Yeah, he's pretty much always over there, over the right tackle. I can pull up the numbers right now uh, specifically. Which is, which is I another have reason open. why to, that, you know, hopefully that Tom is feeling up to full strength and not mess with moving him around to other places, that if the other positions are healthy and, and leave him out there as pro- their best pass their pass blocking tackle that's act- right now. On, you know, on the active roster right now. Yeah, and you wonder maybe if they they move Crosby around a little bit. But Dad, what what are you what are you hoping the Packers do in this game specifically? Oh, I have one thing that's kind of related to yours where I, I think they might play you know play a little more 12 personnel with a, uh, an extra tight end on Crosby's side for for blocking to give uh love a little more time. That, that that's kind of piggybacks on, on yours. And then um, with one of the weaknesses of the Raiders that we talked about earlier, I really want to see them attack the middle of the, fa- the field in the passing game with like quick slants to read or try to get um, Christian Watson going across the middle and then take one to the house. Um, like Hopefully he, like uh, the pass he's already got the bears. He's already got one touchdown though. W- Watson does on the year. We're, ca- we're we started the Christian Watson touchdown counter. He's, he's on the board. All right. He's on the board. And also Musgrave. So I really want to see them really work the middle of the field. And those are the, the two main things 
Yeah, for me, uh, and I was just looking this up, uh, Max Crosby essentially lines up on that right tackle side five times for every one time that he lines up on the other side. Okay. So substantially more against the right tackle than he does against the left tackle. I do wonder if maybe they move him over to Rashid Walker's side, maybe a little bit more often, uh, due to the fact that, you know, I would say he's, at this stage of his career, a less good tackle than than Thomas. I think that's fair to say. But to me, it's like, the more we talk about this, I'm really surprised the Raiders are favored in this game. I don't think they're a particularly good team. And I know the last time we saw the Packers, they really didn't look like a very good team. But I just, I can't wrap my head around why the Raiders are favored in this game. I know they're at home. I know it's prime time. I'm just a little bit surprised. But dad, let's move on to our next section unless there's something you want to talk about there. Yeah, there's, uh, there's one thing that's a little bit more about how well the players play than sort of a schematic or plan differences. That's um, being able to stop the Ra- Raiders' run plays near the line of scrimmage. So their their offensive blocking is at or near the bottom, like 31st and 32nd in like power success and stuffed rate. So power success, you talked about on the defensive side, it's how often you are able to convert short yardage into first downs while stuff rate is whether you gain nothing on a play. Um, and Green Bay is actually, their D is a little better in those 20, um, still 21st and 22nd, but instead of dead last, but they need to make the stops there. I think instead of on the second level where Green Bay is, you know, 26th on D against the run at that level. And um, the Raiders are a little more successful when they get to the second level um, than kind of at the line of scrimmage. So I really want to see the gaps getting plugged up by, say, Quay Walker and McDuffie and the uh, the D line holding up at the point of attack because I think you know, if you st- there's a chance to stop them there, and that's that's I think going to be a big big um, part of this game on on the Packers defense. Yeah, I I feel that 100. Um, percent But then let's move on to our next section, which is don't take your eye off that guy. And these are players that we think you know could have a big game or players that we think will decide the game. Uh, for me in this one, it's Zach Tom and Jair Alexander. Um, they have essentially the biggest one-on-one matchups with the two game records for the Raiders, assuming Devontae and Jair play. Um, Tom versus Crosby, Jair versus Devontae. If those two can win their matchups, and for Tom, it's not even about winning. It's just about not getting destroyed in that matchup. I think the Packers win this game easily. Dad, who do you have in terms of guys that you want to keep your eye on in this game? So I have I have two. I have one on sort of our our offense and one of their offense so against our defense so i want to watch where josh jacobs where he runs so while we've talked about how he's struggling overall with 2.7 yards per carry on the year and the run blocking has not been good his runs between the left guard and center are significantly better at 5.1 yards per carry um he's had almost like half of all of his yards through that gap so that's something to keep an eye on, I think, is where they're running. And if the Packers can shut that down, then I think they'll really struggle. And then the other player I want to keep an eye on is Jaden Reed, especially on, particularly on his crossing routes. And as I just mentioned, the Raiders are already bad at defending kind of the middle of the field against the pass. They're basically their starting slot corner, Nate Hobbs, is out. And he's also got their second-best coverage grade for all the corners in, the, in, in, that, in that room. So I think that's maybe uh, Reed working for the slot can have a big game. I got a hundred percent see that. And he's been really impressive so far. Who would you say to me? I would say Jaden Reed has been the most impressive rookie so far. What are you, what are you thinking for the Packers? The most impressive rookie so far. 
Yes, hmm. I, I would say it's been Jaden Reed. I feel like he has been the most impactful. Obviously, Musgraves had some very good moments. I think Lucas Van Ness has shown out well when he's played. Um, uh, Carrington Valentine. Can I, can I say Anders Carlson? Carlson? You can say Anders Carlson. Uh, you can <laughs> jinx him if you want. If you if you want to jinx him, you can. Knock on wood for Anders Carlson. The, because, oh, we forgot to mention this is, the, this is the Carlson brothers matchup as well. That's true. And a bit of a Rich Bisaccia revenge game. Uh, as I think yes. a lot of players yes. there wanted him to stay the head coach. And they decided to move in a different direction with Josh McDaniels. So something to keep an eye on there that we did not Ooh, talk about yet. He would love to stick it to Josh McDaniels, I think, since he I'm got sh- the job. And they... I'm sure he would. I think a lot of coaches are not particularly fond of Josh McDaniels from what people say about him. But, Dad, let's move into our overtime, which is kind of where we talk about some things that we hadn't gotten a chance to talk about in the regular flow of our discussion that we wanted to mention. We kind of already talked about it with the Carlson Brothers matchup, Anders and uh, Daniel, and with the Bisaccia revenge game narrative, and also the Devontae Adams revenge game narrative we've talked about a little bit. Dad, to me, the player that you mentioned briefly, but I wanted to just highlight in this game, is Jacoby Myers, uh, someone we haven't really gotten to talk about. And this is a small sample size, but in the two games that Garoppolo has played with him, He was averaging 11 targets a game, 8 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown a game. So he is definitely someone that it seems that Garoppolo really likes to target. He lines up in the slot. He lines up outside. They use him in a variety of ways. Going to be probably getting the second assignment there with Rasul or Keyshawn guarding him, assuming Devontae plays. I think that's kind of like a sneaky matchup thing where... You know, Rasul did not play particularly well versus the Lions. Going to have to have a back. Uh, Going to have to have a bounce back game. That is, uh, Keyshawn. You know, has struggled at times in coverage. Jacoby Myers is, I think, one of the more underrated receivers in the league in terms of just like he is always producing. Like even on the bad Matt Patricia Patriots offenses, like he was still putting up numbers. He was. Uh, he was. Yeah, having having good games for them, and I, he's one of the better, probably number two receivers um, in the league and, right now. It has I think the ability to have have a big game. I think, I think that's totally fair to say. Uh, Dad, what did you want to mention that we hadn't gotten a chance to talk about yet? That was the main one. So, it's just like, he, he's going to be getting yeah, the second so matchup there. Yeah. So I have basically like a narrative um, point, and that's about, I think both teams are pointing to this game as their chance, their, their get-right game for both the rushing offense and defense. And so who is going to get right on O and D um, in the run game? This is a matchup of, we've talked about a few times, weaknesses against weaknesses. The Raiders' run offense is dead last by DVOA. The Packers run D is 25th against the run by DVOA and sixth worst in the league in yards to running backs per game and 14th in yards per rush um, per carry to running backs. Meanwhile, the Packers run offense is 28th by DVOA and the Raiders run D is is 19th by DVOA, ninth worst in yards per running back um, per per game to running backs and eighth worst in running backs yards per carry against it really does feel like if it doesn't happen for the Packers running game in this game it's like man but also I I don't but also the Raiders are feeling the same way but also like I exactly they they are they've had a bad run game when they last year had a great run offense with Josh Jacobs and they're kind of perplexed about that a lot of people projected the Packers to be able to lean on their run game going into this year I know we were a little skeptical about that because of how much their run blocking struggled last year and struggled again this year and I know I said it was like I don't think the run game, the Packers run game is going to be great in this game either, but like I know uh, I am I don't know I'm kind of torn I'm of two minds on this where it's like I don't particularly expect the Packers run game to be great in this game uh, if Aaron Jones doesn't play, uh, which or if he's on a major snap count again, like last but game, at the, but at the same time forgot he was there. 
But at the same time, if Dylan can't get it going now, then when? Like, yeah, because I think that go ahead. That's a bad. That'll be a bad sign for the season if they can't. But I don't think they have to, because no, the Packers, I agree. Pass yeah. defense is also. I mean, sorry, the the Raiders' um, pass defense is also bad. Yeah, and even worse than their run defense, like by DBOA yeah. at least. Um, but yeah, no, it's a good point because it's like if the Packers can't run here. Is it, are they just going to have to be like, that's the thing is like this game, there's been such a layoff since the Thursday night game that the Packers have had time to possibly implement like drastic changes. Like Matt LaFleur said, like, we need to find a way to run the football. He said, we need to change schematically what we're doing against the run game on defense. I think, you know, more than anything, I'm more interested to see what's different with the Packers this week than even results based. Like, if process-wise, a lot of things have changed for the Packers in terms of how they're attacking teams on the ground, uh, will there be changes in who's getting snaps on offense? Um, I'm still really surprised that Patrick Taylor hasn't been moved up to the 53. That's shocking to me, honestly. Right, uh, it given still the... hasn't happened. It would have to have happened today. Oh, well, it could happen tomorrow because it's a Monday game. Yeah, but I, we haven't heard any but noise about that. Exactly. It hasn't happened yeah. yet. Didn't happen last week. I'm really surprised, given the fact that in that Saints game, they went to Patrick Taylor late when they needed those points and they needed to move the ball in the passing game. That's just that's shocking to me. I don't really understand what's going on with that right. one. But at the same time, it's like I I don't expect them to be good to get good running the football in this game. But if there's going to be hope for the running game going forward, they kind of need to be able to run the ball in this game because it's like if not now, when? But, Dad, let's move yeah. on to – Do you, anything you wanted to say there, or do you want to move on to the bottom line? No, that was it. I think we're ready to move on. Um, that's kind of – that's sort of the question is that's kind of, I think, hovering over the whole the – whole, this whole game about what's going to happen with the uh, with the teams. Yeah, two teams that, like, kind of need bounce-back games here on, in primetime. I mean, I'm sure the rest of the league might this, – this game might be a bit of a mess. It might be a messy game. Um, but, Dad, let's move to the bottom line. The Raiders win if blank. And for me – uh, the Raiders win if Max Crosby wrecks the Packers passing game, uh, because I definitely see a scenario where the Packers aren't going to be able to run the football. And if Max Crosby terrorizes Jordan Love the way that Aiden Hutchinson and the Lions front terrorized Jordan Love, it's going to be a long day for the Packers. And that's the scenario that I see the Raiders winning. Uh, Dad, what do yeah. you think? Raiders win if blank. The, I think that's the most likely scenario for the what would have to happen for the Raiders to win. But I would. I, just go a different direction. If like Devonte just goes straight up nuclear, you know, and has like you know, two hundred and fifty yard, three touchdown, four touchdown game kind of game. On a bad shoulder actually, against, yeah, that would be yeah, a crazy. So game. I don't think there are actually that many avenues for the Raiders to win this game. Which is why I'm confused as to why they're favored in this game. But anyway, Dad. Bottom line: Packers win if blank. What do you got there? I have that. If they have an even passable, adequate running game on offense. And I don't think it has to be good. I think it just has to be adequate, and yeah. they're going to win this game. I mean, if if their run offense could even fog a mirror, as the saying goes, they <laughs> it would be light years better than what they've had so yeah. far through four games. And, and that's why and, – and, and it doesn't even have to happen for them to win. That's why I think if they do it, they're going to win. Yeah. And to me, it's the Packers win if they don't beat themselves. Like – the scenario I see is like Max Crosby has like two strip sacks or like a tip and a forced pick and the Raiders get crazy good field position and punch in a couple scores. He goes like first half Khalil Mack in, uh, what was that, 20? 
Yeah, in 2018. Uh, yeah, it would have been 2018, last McCarthy year. No, I mean, it's not impossible. But, yeah, to me, it's the Packers win if they don't beat themselves. They don't commit dumb turnovers. They don't, like, blow a Devontae coverage. They can actually get after get after the, the Raiders. It just don't beat yourselves. This is not a very good Raiders team. I would uh, lose my mind if Devontae is running alone out in the secondary because, you know, they miscommunicated on who should cover him. Yeah, or they're like, oh, Savage is like, I'm going to jump this underneath route. Like, what? There's nothing happening behind me. I could see that happening, too. That's That would not be the first time. Um, but, Dad, let's kind of wrap it up here. Score prediction, what do you got? I've got the Packers winning 31-17. 31-17. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah, I, I actually gonna, something. I think, I think they have a very good chance of crossing 30 in this game. I have I have something very similar. I have Packers 28-17. I'm just like, I'm racking my brain. I'm really surprised. And obviously, I already know. Every, you don't need to tell me. This is going to come back and bite me in the ass. I have no idea how the Raiders are favored in this game. Like, I understand we looked terrible last week. But, like, we looked okay weeks one to three. We looked good in week I one. I think we, that's it. I, is it just um, that we were so bad last week? They were like, we can't, we can't pick these guys. How bad they looked last week. I, I, I mean, fair, fair enough. We did look that bad. Like, we looked incompetent. I can't say we didn't. But at the same time, it's like, the Raiders? The Raiders aren't good. Like, I, I know yeah, we looked it, really bad, but the Raiders haven't looked good at all this season. I don't know. Yeah. What's interesting is, one thing that we didn't talk about too much is like, it's the Packers have been weirdly a third quarter team this year. Oh yeah, which it's like by you can... far their best quarter of the game, which wasn't true the previous couple of years. Yeah, they... I, can they just channel that into the first quarter, please? Whatever adjustments you've been incorporating at halftime, let's just let's just do that before the game. Whatever like... you're yelling at them for the about for their first half performance, do it before the game starts. Yeah, it's like I don't even know if it's an energy thing or if it's like a. Like feeling out the game, or if they chase, like I specifically, swear, if we lose this game and the floor comes out and says, "Yeah, we had kind of low energy for this one," I will lose my mind. I will yeah. go absolutely insane. Yeah, no, it it's it can't keep happening. It, it's not it's not that it can't. It should not. It should not keep happening. <laughs> it could. It definitely it definitely could happen, but it should not keep happening. But anyway, it can't happen without it driving me crazy. Yes, there we go. But anyway, this has been. Preview for the Packers Raiders game, Monday Night Football, Father Son Packers Podcast. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Sorry again that the audio is a little different than usual. We're working with what we got. Whew, man, Dad, if they lose this game two and three, I'd be pretty frustrated. I mean, I know this is a young team, but these are the types of wins you want to get is against teams that are struggling and have just activated their quarterback off the concussion protocol, wasn't able to practice all week. Their best player on offense is injured and might not even play. I feel like these are the games where you got to you got you got to take this one in prime time. You got to make a statement. You got to make adjustments after getting essentially embarrassed last week. Like you need to have a bounce back game here. I think more so for the coaching staff than for the players. Like for the like for the coaching staff it's like like the this is where you prove like hey, I know we got punched in the mouth last week. I know we looked terrible. Like as a coaching staff, we approached this game and we made these adjustments specifically and that's going to help us essentially become a better football team over time. Thank you again so much to everyone for listening, though. If you like what you hear here today, come give us a follow on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. At Father Son Packer, we tweet out when we have new episodes, articles we find interesting, etc., etc., etc. Come give us a follow on your podcast platform of choice, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. We're even all on YouTube. We put all our episodes up there as well. If you want to subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers. Come give us a comment. 
We'll always glad to chat back if you want to ask us questions about what we think about the game. Even if you want advice on your fantasy team, we'll even help you with that because, you know, we're here. We love talking football with whoever. Uh, but again, thank you so much for listening. Hoping for a Packers win on Monday. We'll be bringing you a post game after this one for sure. Two podcasts a week every day until the end of the season, then one podcast a week going after that. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.